0: Y'all, it is the Friday before spring break, so I need to give you ample runway because you know what I'm going to do here, right? Good morning. Oh, but see, I gave you runway and that was still like a C minus. You got to bring it. Good morning. There are relatively few of us, but we should be overabundantly excited because it is the Friday before spring break. So thank you. (laughs) Yes. Love that. Love that energy right there. So thank you so much. For joining us for chapel my name's paul i'm the chaplain here at sterling college and it is always a joy to gather with you very excited about our guest speaker uh today i just told him we're going to have to have him back maybe first chapel of the fall semester so that there is more students here to hear him because i know that he's going to make a connection uh and uh, and really um yeah just minister to our to who, those of us that are here. And so uh, the Lord uh, knows, right? He knows all things. And so he has ordained this moment uh, for Mandre Collins to be here uh, with those of us who have gathered for Friday Chapel. Mandray is an 06 grad of Sterling. So uh, he, like I did a few years after him, uh, sat in these chairs just like you all as current Sterling College students are sitting in these chairs. And I like, uh, as I can, to be able to uh, host alumni uh, here in chapel so that it gives you the idea here that it gives you a vision of what can be because I know at times in college it can be hard in the throes of everything that y'all have going on uh, to remember that there is a future after college uh, and it can be pretty incredible and Mandray uh, is a testament to that um, he, he is here this morning uh, with his wife Carissa and they're, Nine children down here in the front, and so they came up from Texas. Mandre and Chrissa—they are—they uh, lead a family home church. Uh, but Mandre also uh, is an employee with Mercedes-Benz. Uh, and they, he does basketball camps because he played basketball here uh, and they have a number of other uh, initiatives and businesses that they have going and he'll, get, he'll share a little bit more about that so I'm so excited for him to share a message uh, with us from God's word in a couple of moments uh, and uh, eager for them to, so glad that they've given of their time uh, to come up here as a family and join us
1: Thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for looking out for us, Lord. Thank you for giving us a hope and a future,
0: Father. It's so good to praise you. Please be thick in this room today, Lord. Uh, Be in our hearts,
1: because I was to glorify you in all that we think and that we say and we do today. Pray that you
0: be with our speaker, God. Speak through him to our hearts and draw us closer to you in your name
1: that I pray. Amen. 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 Woo! Wow. Well, good morning. Good morning. That's weak. That's weak, guys. Let's try that again. Good morning! good morning! Man, I don't know about you guys, but man, that song right there just fired me up. It is something about his goodness that is running after us all the day long. Amen? Guys, for some of you who don't know me, like you said, I'm Mandray Collins. I graduated in '06. It's been 16 years since I graduated, which is crazy because I still feel young, right? I look over and it's a lot that's happened in 16 years. And one of those things that, that, that has happened is sitting right here on the front row with me, which is my beautiful family, as, as um, Paul alluded to, my wife, and we got, we got nine children. So before you even think to cast judgment on me, or before y'all even think that this guy is crazy, I want you to know that my guy calls me blessed, amen? He says, blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. So I got a bunch of arrows that are sitting there that I am training up that when I get ready to launch them out, they can land anywhere in this world and make an impact for the kingdom. Amen. That's what it's all about. Well, guys, listen, as I was wrestling with man, God, what is it that you want me to talk to your people about today? I went back and forth and back and forth and and knowing that this is Sterling College and it's a place that I attended. He says, man, Mandray, I want you to leverage the things that happened in the past that protected that projected you forward. Right. And, and so as I, I, I couldn't help but land on a title that that is suitable to the, the, the college verse of the year, which is unshakable. So I've titled today's message unshakable. See, too often we can allow the newness of atmospheres or or desires or even people to change who we are in Christ. We can be so on fire for him. And all of a sudden, boom, we get hit with these tough things in life and we start desiring and chasing after everything else, we become desperate for everything else except for Christ. Right? While we know that's something that should never happen, it does. And listen, having people around you to help guide you back is super critical. We need people around us that will hold us accountable and build us up. But ultimately, the unshakable mindset stays intact only when we learn how to surrender our weaknesses to the Lord and that we keep our eyes on. i am gonna say that again. Ultimately, the unshakable mindset stays intact only when we learn to surrender and we keep our eyes on the Lord. So, see, how many of you guys came in here as freshmen? I don't know if I got a lot of people in here that play sports or whatnot. You came in here as freshmen or you came in here as a transfer, and what's your mindset? You want to be the man or the woman on campus, right? You want to prove everybody wrong. You want you want You want to make a name for yourself. It's really easy to get entangled into your glory, into your fame. It's very easy for us to be able to do that. Right. And so when those freshmen and soft and those transfers came in here, what did all the juniors and the seniors say? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I've been here all my life. You're not coming here taking anything. Right. So but but I want to stay I want to stay along the lines of that person who is coming in with this greed. Right. So now now don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being ambitious. There's nothing wrong with having goals. But the problem becomes when you take those things that you are longing and desiring for and they pour over in a way they consume you. That's probably a better word. They consume you and how you walk and how you talk. And then eventually they end up in your prayer life. And so, guys, I wanted to take some time and just come back down memory lane because that freshman was me. When I came in, I had an agenda to prove everybody wrong. There was things that I wanted, right? And they would end up in my prayer life. And this is what it would sound like. God, help me utilize these talents and abilities that you gave me to be that guy to hit game-winning shots, to be that guy that would start as a freshman, to be that guy that this, that you name it. Right. It was it was so much so that all of my prayers had turned for my glory and not even about him. I don't know about you guys. How many of you guys are there or have been there? You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. You know who you are. But here's the thing. My prayers were focused more on self-centeredness versus christ centered they were focused more on selfishness versus selflessness. They were focused more on pride versus humility. They were more about my glory and less about his glory. And the whole time I was robbing God of his glory. So it's so easy to get entangled in that. Guys, listen, oftentimes I could be found praying in my dorm room. Like I've lived in Kilbourne and I lived in Campbell. And the one that really serves me well is Campbell. I was on the second floor. On the corner, right by the little computer shop. Right? So I would often pray. He raised his hand. He's like, that's my room. And like, hey, brother, your room is fully covered. I'm not talking about tuition. I'm talking about prayer. All right. It is fully covered, my man. So listen, when we when when I would pray, that the door would be open. Like there's no rhyme or reason as to why I left the door open. I don't know. It just I just happened to be that way. But as I would lay down or kneel next to my bed and I would just pray, these very same selfish prayers. And there would be guys that would just walk through it. You could just hear them rustling through the hallway, right? Nobody ever cared to stop. Nobody ever, none of that, right? But man, the the interesting thing is that outside of my dorm room, I would walk down, you know, in the little common areas of the the Campbell Hall. And I'd run across some guys. They'd be like, man, I admire your boldness. I admire your boldness to be able to pray so openly like that. Dude, it is so inspiring. And now when I look back, I'm like, man, if they only knew what I was praying about they probably wouldn't feel this way. So I was actually glad that nobody stopped. But there was a day where one of my best friends, he happened to come looking for me to check up on me, and he found me at a time where I was praying. And he was nice enough to let me finish. He would lean against the door and he would just hear me out. And I didn't know he was there, I didn't even know how long he was there, right? So when I got done praying, I lifted my eyes up, and he was was standing there. I'm like, hey man, what's going on? And he said, kind of in a chuckle, right? He goes, Dre, come on, man. That, that can't be your prayer. And I'm like, I did what any good Christian would do. I defended my cause. Of course that's my prayer. Man, Dre, that was the most selfish prayer I've ever heard. Right? And, and so at that moment, I'm like, wait. You don't understand. it. Philippians 4, 19 tells me that my God will supply all my needs. Right? Psalms 37.4 says that he'll give me the desires of my heart, right? And so here's the reality check, right? This is what happens when you get so consumed about yourself. You will end up taking bits and pieces of Scripture and make them apply to your life when you miss the entire context. See, the whole thing about, about my God will supply all my needs, my, my, my friend would be like, according to What? according to his preferences, and then what? That are in Christ Jesus, right? You see, so if you want him to supply your needs, you better go through him to get it, right? So many times we treat him like he's a genie in the bottle. God, I want, I want, I want, I want, but we don't want to live for him. That's not how this life works. So good luck. You can do all the things that you want to try to do, but eventually you're going to end up into a crash test dummy. That's what you end up being, and right, allowing him to just fight our battles. And then, like I said, he gives me the desires of my heart. People throw that out all the time, and I was one. But watch this. Before he even said that, he said, delight yourself in the Lord. Did you do that, Mandre? I didn't take time to do that. So, guys, listen, I'm so, so glad that I had a friend that could step in and he can hold me accountable. Right? How many of you guys got friends like that? How many of you guys need friends like that? You said you need them and you have them. Are you confused? That's all right. Well, maybe you do need them. Maybe the one you got ain't working, right? I'm okay with that too. But listen, guys, somewhere along the way, I had lost my focus. I lost it. I made it all about basketball Like It got to a point where I was like, Dre, laying up basketballs is not as important as laying down your life to Christ. It's not as important. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> See, my friend was able, he was really able to shut me down with one verse. So we talked back and forth and I battled and I fought or whatever, right? But he came through with Isaiah 43, seven. He says, Mandre, he says that those who bear his name are the ones that he created for his glory. I thought I was one that bared his name, but I was seeking my own glory. So I had it wrong, right? It was a big, big adjustment. Needless to say, let me just tell you, my prayers changed. I repented for every single prayer that I had that was all about me. And I said, God, I'm sorry for making this much about me. God, I pray that you will squash me to this little, so that you may increase. Right? My prayers would change to this. Get this, guys. God, please allow me to utilize these talents and the abilities that you've given me to be able to further your kingdom and to glorify your name. God, help me to be an ambassador of Christ that every time I step foot on a basketball court, whether it be practice or whether it be a game, that I would make you known through my words and my actions. That began to be my prayer. Guys, that type of shift in perspective and behavior began to shape and mold me in ways that you wouldn't even believe. I began to really see what total reliance on God really looked like. See, somewhere I'd allow pride and and greed and even the atmosphere to change me negatively, right? And I said all of that. Guys, I wanted to share all of that with you simply be, just for this right here, this reason right here, because I know firsthand what college students go through. And maybe you didn't go through what I went through, but I know you go through stress. I know you deal with anxiety. I know you deal with depression, sickness, peer pressure, the sense of belonging. Right, You may not feel loved. You may suffer shame. You may suffer rejection. You may struggle with Z, all of the above. I don't know. But guys, I'm here to tell you today that there's a cure for all of it. And that cure is only found in him. Try it on your own and see how long you last. But man, it's something about being able to take a burden that's on you and take it and give it to someone else and you just feel a whole lot lighter. There's something about that we got to learn to seek Him. So, guys, one of the verses, one of my favorite verses, and I, I, I wrote this down on every single shoe that I played with, played in um, afterwards, and you can probably see it up here, is Philippians 4.13. You've heard it. I'm sure you've heard it several times. It's, it's one of those verses that, that get carried down from Grandma, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That shoe you're looking at was the last shoe that I played as a senior in college. That shoe has not been worn in 16 years. It is hanging up on my wall, and I literally look at it as a reminder. This message is one that serves as a reminder for me. But here's the thing. The key word of this verse is through him. Some of us will read, I can do all things, and we'll shut the Bible. And we walk out, we're invincible. I can do all things because the Bible said it, right? But meanwhile, we didn't miss the whole point as to how the strength even comes. It is only through him, it says, that he will strengthen you. Amen? So we we keep moving on. And and see, Paul, I really like reading anything that Paul writes, because this is a guy who understood weaknesses very well. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. It says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly, about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I'm strong. I call that the win win verse, right? When you're running and you're on fire for Christ, right? There's nothing that can stop you, right? Because He's on your side, so you're strong. But what about the times when you're weak? What are you doing? Are you trying to muscle through it? Nah. Paul was like, man, I learned to give them to him. But there's something about that, though, because he says his power is made perfect. Perfect. When you look at scripture, did he ever use somebody that was ultimately strong, or just strong physically or strong spiritually? He didn't really use. He didn't go for them. He went for the weak ones, right? to shame the wise. So there's something about weakness because in that, there's a surrender that you just can't do it. Your your hand can only stretch so far. So guys, I want to just remind you that there's no burden that's ever going to be too heavy for him. No burden is ever going to be too heavy for him. I want to, if you can throw Psalms 52 up there, if you don't mind. Here's another verse you may know very well. It says, Cast your cares on the Lord. And he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous. What? What? There's only two people that can read in here. It'll never let him what? Be shaken. Never. Like that's a a solid promise. And then I I want you to know this backs up nicely against the school verse of the year. Can you throw that up there too? (coughs) So this is one you know very well. Psalm 16.8. So we got, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. See, these two verses right here complement each other well, because they have something in common. They both have the simple fact that you will not be shaken. Right? And so it's the only difference between them is you've got one that is casting of cares, and you have another one that says, I will always fix my eyes. And this is why I started out when I said that ultimately an unshaken mindset will stay intact only when we learn to surrender and cast our cares on Him, and we keep our eyes on the Lord. Amen? So, guys, I think it's pretty safe to say the things that shake us, they don't shake Him. They don't shake Him. Right? You guys remember the story of Jesus sleeping in the boat? I think that's a great, great illustration of what we're talking about today right? So as the boat is out there rocking, the waters are all rocky. It's it's symbolic of our atmospheres, right? And so here's the thing. They're in the boat with Jesus. They're in it, right? So I look at that as a way, man, when we're walking through life, we're, we're walking through life with Christ. But man, the minute that the waves come, it's as though we're not even in it, But the whole time, the one that has never, ever been shaken is sleeping. He's sleeping. And catch this. When they went down and they found him, and they said, hey, we need some help. We need some help with this. This is crazy out here right now. Right? (coughs) Excuse me. What does Jesus do? Does he run up there? He's like, oh, man, what's going on? He didn't do that. As calmly as he could, he walked up and he said, peace be still. Even when he saw what was going on, he wasn't shaking. That's powerful. That's powerful, guys. So listen, how many, time, how many of you have experienced what sleeping in the boat feels like? You got a lot going on. My man raises his hand. I love it. Inter- guys, I work very well off of call and response, just so y'all know. But yeah, that's, that, that's one of those things that you, you want to be able to get to a point to where you too are sleeping in the boat with Jesus. He's got it. He's got it. So guys, real quick. I just want to take some time and walk you guys through how this was actually applied in my life. See, there's one thing to come up here and you give a message, but the application part is super critical, super critical, because a lot of times we take the word, but we do nothing with it. He says, man, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. So you know what? I'm going to show you an opportunity. I'm going to show you, I want to give you guys a brief description, a testimony. It's his story, not mine. Right? But it's his story about how this translated into my life. So last December was one of the most difficult times in my life, literally about four months ago. Some of the, the hardest times, guys. I'm going to try to get this this whole testimony without crying because I think I tear up every time I talk about it. But it was very difficult our baby girls. Again, we got nine. I'm talking about baby, baby. Anthem is her name. All right. So Anthem got to a point to where she was very, very sick where she, her body would just lose control. Okay, gave her a little bath in the tub, and the next thing you know is that her head just kind of felt like this. So that was kind of a little creepy moment for her. I'm like, ah, something's not right. So we muscled through the night and let her sleep, and, and in the morning she wouldn't eat anything. Took her to a basketball game and came back. We started eating lunch, and the next thing you know is that daddy's trying to tickle her because she responds to that very well, nothing no emotion, body was limp. The only thing you could see is her movement of her eyes. And I looked at my wife and said, baby, something's not right. We got to take her in. So my wife rushed her to the ER to see what was going on. I stayed back with the other children. And it wasn't very long before I got a phone call from my wife. She says, Manduray, I need you right here, right now. It doesn't look good. So I was so glad that my in-laws were in town. So I just handed them off, my, the other children off to her, and I ran up to the hospital. And when I got to the ER room, I'm just running around like I'm not even asking anybody where my daughter is. I'm just like, man, was you in there? You in there? You know what I mean? I'm just walking all the way down. And so I finally get to the room. And I walk in, and my baby girl is laying down with a neck brace on where they've adjusted her neck to be able to hold it up. She's hooked up to every machine that you can even think of. It was a very tough sight. And so as I'm looking at her, I look over at my wife, and she's sitting there, and she's just full of emotion. Like, if I asked a question, I could hardly get anything out through the crying. So I'd ask the doctors, what's going on? What's going on? And they would give me limited information, because they didn't really know, right? The next thing you know, they take my daughter, and they haul her up to pick you the PCIU. Um, And so my daughter is in there. and, And as we're just, me and my wife are just sitting there and just praying over our daughter we recognize that, man, nobody knows what's going on. And that's a tough place to be. The unknown is hard for every, anybody. It's very difficult. And so my wife was getting restless. I said, baby, go ahead and go home. I'm staying with, the, with, with uh, Anthem. So I stayed all night. The next morning, my wife comes in. And so she comes in, and she, they allow her to, to, to hold Anthem and feed her with a bottle. And so when she did that, it was within about a minute or two before Anthem just blacked out, out cold. My wife was shaking uncontrollably. And only thing that I could do was I said, baby, let me have the baby, let me have the baby, let me have the baby. So I picked Anthem up and I helped the doctors put her back on the bed. In the meantime, my wife gets up and she comes around the back of me and she's grabbing the back of my shirt, just shaking uncontrollably with her face in it. She's a manager, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. Tell me this is not what's happening, tell me this is not what's happening. Right? So in that moment, I felt like I was in balance. I was stuck. So I've got a wife that is losing control back here, and I've got a baby who looks lifeless. And in that moment, the only thing that I could think of was that it's going to take my faith to heal this baby. Because my wife's not there with me right now. See, I know God, and I know what he's capable of. My daughter doesn't know him. She doesn't know what he can do. My wife has lost the faith that she once had. She's losing it. And so it took everything in me to remain faithful. So I turned around and I looked at my wife and I said, baby, I need you to get it together. We're a family that practices faith. And we do it very well in the off season, but when the season comes, it's time to activate it. Those are the times where we run as though we would never practiced before. No, it's game time. Activate it. Hit the button. Let's go. Right. But she couldn't get it. So she walked over into a consultation room. I stayed back with baby and they finally, they were able to intubate her and get breath back into her body. And they were like, manager, we got to send her back to an MRI to see what just happened. Like, it looks, like I don't know if she had any seizure activity or what we got to take her back. So they begin to take her back. Right? And I walk, I'm walking there. with. I'm like, I don't know, wherever she goes, I go. Right? Naomi, Naomi moment, right? And wherever she goes, I'm going. And they ended up shutting the door in my face. I said, sorry, sir, you can't come this far. Guys, that was probably one of the first times I've ever felt alone. Wife's gone. Baby's over here. I don't know what's happening. So I go over, and I find a consultation room myself. And I walk in, and I shut the door. And, guys, I just fell to my knees. And I cried like a baby. I cried, and I cried out to God in a way that I never had before. See, the thing is, is I, I never doubted that God was there. I never doubted that he was there, right? I just wanted to know what he was up to. Show me what you're doing. Show me. I would ask that he would just give me rays of hope. I didn't need to see the whole sun, but I just needed to see rays. Just keep throwing them at me so that I know you're right here and you're working. And guys, I had one of those moments where it was like a Jacob wrestle with God where I'm like, I'm not going anywhere until you bless me. I'm not going anywhere until until I hear from you. And so I stayed in that room for about 30 to 40 minutes and I sat in silence and I waited And in my weight, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And this is what he said. Man's right. God loves your daughter more than you do. That was hard for me to understand in that moment, because I knew how strong my love was for her. But to even think that he loves her more than I do was mind-blowing. And then the second thing was that you've got the victory, but you got to walk through the process. I don't know about y'all, but I jumped up off my knees because that was all I needed at that moment. It was more than enough for me. I didn't need to hear anything else. So I got up and I wiped my face like a big boy. And I walked out. I shut the door. And I can just remember saying, there's no bad news that can come my way that could take away the promise that he just gave me. I was unshakable at that moment. I was unshakable nothing you can bring my way nothing my wife could say nothing the doctors could say nothing that a naysayer anybody doesn't matter it doesn't matter because what I got is a hope that I can hang on to and if I just got to walk through the process and it doesn't feel good I'm okay with that because I know how this story ends amen I know how it ends And so I hung on to that. So I ran over and I found my wife. I found the room that she was in. And she was laying on the floor and the chaplain was there with her. And I just came in and slid next to her. And I said, baby, you ain't going to believe this, but I want you to know God loves our daughter more than we do. And it just added tears upon the tears that she already had. And I said, you know what? We got the victory. We got to walk it out, though. We got to walk it out. And we were both excited. We were both fired up. I said, baby, from now on, the, the room that my baby's in will be a room of faith. And I said, if you don't have it together, that means you ain't coming in either. And she looked at me and she says, OK, my is not where it needs to be right now, so I'm going to go home. So she went home. And I went back to baby's room. And they will baby back from the MRI. And I'm in there just praying over my baby, and I'm excited because of the news that I just heard, right? So I'm excited. And so, guys, let me tell you, for the sake of time, I begin to see rage just rolling in. The numbers that she had, they say she had a 235,000 ALT. Just to put that into perspective for you, if you worked out for an hour straight, your strongest, your, your best reps, you would probably end up having about a 1,500 ALT. I looked up what was the closest thing to it. There was a runner who ran for three days straight and he ended up having a 155,000 ALT and ALT only happens when you work yourself so much that your body's just like, I need time to recover. But she had 235,000. My baby girl don't work out. How does this happen? But the minute that we prayed about asking for rays of his glory and his hand moving, those numbers went from 235 to 150 to 75. I literally they would drop by the halves and the doctors didn't know why. They didn't know what was going on. They was like, dude, this is, we haven't seen anything like this. They tested everything. They tested her liver. They tested her liver and they said, Oh wait, this one right here, we think we got a problem right here. I think she needs a liver transplant. I said, baby, let's look up. We prayed over this thing. So after we prayed, we said, can you test it again? They said, no, you know what? It's perfectly normal. They tested everything. Everything came back negative. But they couldn't understand why the numbers were dropping. They had doctor's meetings. They had these board meetings every morning where they would do these roundups. And they'd talk about every single patient to lay out the agenda for that, for that, for that uh, patient. This is what we're going to do with this person today. So you know what I did? I said, doctor, I know you don't get this request very often, but do you mind if I, if I, if I attend one of them? Like, I don't need to know about everybody else's kid. I just want to know about mine. And they said, nah. I said, come on, doc. They said, you know what? Normally, we don't do this, but we'll let you in. You can't say anything. So I said, I came on in, and I listened. For the first three days, I listened to what they had to say. It was like they were throwing darts at a board, hoping that something would stick, right, every single day. And then the fourth day, I said, all right, I can't take any more of this doc. I got to speak. I said, man, you guys are good physicians, (laughs) but I know a great one. I know a great one. Has anybody asked God what's going on? and they look at me like I got 14 eyes. Has anybody asked them? See, the reason I asked that question is simply because every day, yep, every day, I pray that God gives you wisdom and that he guides your hands before you even step foot in my daughter's room. That's what I do. I just wanna know if you guys are having any conversations outside of the things that you don't know. And you know what, I never got an answer, but I think I planted a seed. I don't care if I never get an answer. But I want them to get their minds moving in the right direction, because this baby girl's numbers just continue to drop, continue to drop, continue to drop. I had a dream that we would carry her in and she would walk out. She'd walk out. Guys, listen, I want you to show that video. This is the day that Anthem was getting departed from the hospital. Guys, that very same morning of this video, she couldn't sit up. PT came in, she couldn't sit up. And when the physical therapist left, I came back in, I wrapped my arms around baby, and I said, man, God, we're going to make this work. You got this. And I begin to hold her hands, and I begin to do the little walking motion with her. And I walk, and I just put her hands against the seat, and I'd be like, all right, baby, do it. And she would kind of, remember, she would kind of come on down this way, but she'd never break off. I said, "All right, let's go to bigger territory." I grabbed her hand. I opened the door to the room, and we walked out. And I walked out of the room with her, and we walked up and down the hallway. And I got to a point. I was like, "All right, cool, you got this." Don't you notice she walked all the way down that hall by herself? And the same physical therapist that just left that couldn't get her to raise her body saw it, and she says, "Oh my goodness, <clears throat> what just happened?" And I said, "It's God." That's the power of God. And so we ended up coming on down. And that's what you see right there. That's what happened. That's how the whole story ended. So, guys, I'm here to tell you that the unshakable is there, but it's going to take you a complete surrender and stay fixated on him. So, guys, I I want to challenge each and every one of you guys that if you're struggling with any of the things that I listed earlier, surrender them. Surrender them. You're going to experience many storms, but the reality is, is that you're not called to do them alone. Amen. Man, let me pray for us. God, I lift up every person on this campus today. God, we're so grateful that you've given us a great high priest, Lord, that that is able to empathize with us and our weaknesses and our temptations. Yet he never sinned. I, I pray right now that some will surrender their ways of doing things and exchange them for yours. I pray that in every area that screams weakness, that we will learn to cast them on you, Lord. Help us to learn how to trust you with our lives and adversity when things come our way. God, we are so desperate in need for your unshakable peace to saturate us when things appear to be chaotic and just flat out crazy and de- uh, uh, unprecedented times, oh God. God, and lastly, I pray that we'll learn to keep our eyes fixated on you and fixated on Jesus, who's the cornerstone, who holds all things together. All these things I pray in Jesus' name, amen.